Hello, White Rabbit. With whom are you talking today? Today I'm talking with Jeanette, one of the Casa School guides working in Upper Elementary. In this Meet the Casa Community episode, Jeanette goes over the different things that she has done during her extensive career in education. She also explains how she is supporting our school community in different ways and shares her views on parenting, communication and education. Enjoy! Jeanette, I'm blown away by the fact that you have been working in education for 37 years. Unbelievable! So tell me, what inspired you to choose the path of the professional educator? I always had the urge to make the world a little bit better. And when I was young, I loved animals and I loved children. And during my puberty, I had a lot of reflecting on what's the purpose of life and why am I feeling this and why am I feeling that? And I thought it was the biggest challenge to help children in development of that part. And I, I always had the drive to help children to be themselves and to be proud and to be happy. And from that perspective, I think you can make a better world. But I was still young because I was 18 when I started being a teacher. And I still remember my first, uh, one of my first parent conferences. This, this parent had problems with, with her husband. Oh, <laughs> she wow. told everything about those problems. And I was like, I, I don't even have a boyfriend. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but anyway, so I was, I was still really young, but very, very in, into my work. But on the other hand, also uh, adventurous. So uh, after two years, I stopped and I went to uh, the United States of America and worked there a year as an au pair. And when I came back, I started working at a school. It was a regular primary school, but uh, one of the first who had the, all the facilities to also have the, the physical handicapped in the classroom. And that was also such a wonderful journey because in the beginning, the other children saw just the wheelchair and that there was a person in there. That was a whole uh, process. But after... A really short while those children in kindergarten just saw the person and saw their capacity and the abilities that they can do and saw the need in what they needed help in and that was just normal. Then I went to the special education in Rotterdam because my heart is with the children who need just that little bit more and that that was really challenging for me because if I see a child who's really mad or who's really angry, there's always pain behind that. Yeah. That's always my trigger and that's always my passion to do something with that. If I go home and I have the feeling I'm helping a child to get rid of the fear yeah. and to trust again, I mean, that's my reward of my work. Yeah. So I worked, I think, about 13 years. And those children were a little bit older, uh, six until eight. And then after a couple of years, they asked me to work with a little bit older group. So I worked with eight until 10 years old. And um, yeah, those kids, they were lacking so much in confidence or in successes, in trusting other children, trusting adults. Some children came from a really sad background 
And also the talks with the parents touched my heart because some parents were really mad or were really didn't know how to cope with children and were doing things that I think is not okay, like cursing or hitting them. And I always try to see also with parents the pain behind that because it's not like they took children to hurt them. It's always out of fear or out of worry or out of their own pain. So we worked really, really hard on getting a safe environment for the children, but also for the colleagues. And that's also where I did the Kanyar training, because those children needed so much tools to, to learn to trust themselves and learn to trust other children. And um, So how, how long ago was uh, that you did the Kanyar training? I don't know. I think at least 10, 15 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I did two other trainings before that, but this training is really, I think the setup is also really good because you have an intensive training and then you're going to practice it in your in your classroom and you're having meetings with your team, but then you come back for the training. And I like that because it's knowledge, practice, and then you get skills. It's yeah. not only knowledge, it is practice. And, and about practicing is making mistakes, learn to reflect, ask help. So I think that's really nice. And the total of the traject is, I think, two years or three years before you have your final paper from Kanyar training. Oh, wow, okay. So that, that takes a lot of time. And it's not like you have to go to the training every week, but they give the training and then you go practice, practice, practice. And then you come back and you evaluate and get the next step in that I see it as you get your toolbox in guiding the children in developing behavior and uh, pride. And what triggered your interest in Montessori education? Actually, it was because my son was at Casa from day one. Okay. <laughs> and Erika, one of the one of the founders, she gave a parent evening about math and she showed the materials and I was like, I would like to learn this because I need this in the special education school because they were really kind of rigid kind of okay you you don't sit together you don't work together you 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 have to do this and you just have to work with paper and a pencil and and I was like I'm missing something I'm, I was always looking for for something better and then I saw that at the parent evening but um, at the special education I didn't get a lot of room to develop that and you cannot do Montessori a little bit <laughs> you have to do it whole or not so then I decided to go to the Montessori school um, in Rotterdam another Montessori school and there they asked me to guide the highly gifted children but I didn't do that for a long time because I just worked there I think one and a half years and then uh, Casa asked me to work at Casa. All right. So, so if I understood you correctly, you did get some training to handle gifted children, and then you got practice for a couple of years in in this school in Rotterdam. Yes. Yes. And then for the children with the behavioral problems and learning problems, you also got some specific training. Yes. But with those, you really worked many many yes. years yes. since the beginning, basically, because that yeah. was your passion. Yeah. Sometimes you get already, well, this child is a bit challenging in the behavior. I always said, can I have him? <laughs> because I just love to have those children. Yeah, I just yeah. love to to work with children who are challenging me in my uh, profession and in my guidance. Like, okay, I, I just love that. 
because yeah. you can make a difference with those children. So you have to be really strong and, and at the same time vulnerable to reflect on your own behavior. You can succeed or fail and the whole group can succeed or fail. And I saw colleagues who didn't make it. They went under it because you always have this fine line of, is it getting personal? Because if some child is, is really mad at you, is that personal and still keep the professional head on and yeah. be professional, but at the same time warm and firm. That's really a, a challenge. Yeah, I, I remember discussing this with Tessa. Perhaps a difference between the parent and the teacher or the guide is that you you develop this detachment. Mm-hmm. The parents are emotionally involved with mm-hmm. the children and that makes it hard and it clouds your judgment mm-hmm. in many ways. So having this level of detachment, I think it helps you to be calm and then you can really be a better guide for your child. Yes. You yes, and I, I became a mom when I was 39. I'm, I'm a, 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 by intention, a solo mom. So I chose to be a, a mom without a, a partner. Oh, wow. And I was 39. So it was like, okay, if I want to do it, I have to do it. And I thought, well, I have like 20 years experience with raising children. I give advice to parents so I can do this. And in the role of parents, I totally had to reinvent myself. I was like, okay, all those emotions are blurring my my vision. So it's it's really it's been a journey and it's still a journey. He's he's in the puberty now, so that's really a different uh, phase. But um, yeah, I was I was really surprised of the difference of that. Well, thank you for because... sharing that <laughs> because it blows my mind. You know, I would I would expect that for teachers being parents is easier. And you are telling me, no, no, then when you are a parent, you are just no, in the, in the yeah. camp of the rest of the parents. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is I have friends and they become um, they became parents like 10 years before me. And they sometimes called me like, okay, Jeanette, uh, he's doing this and he's doing that. And we're in this pattern and it's not working. Can you give me some tips? And I was like, sure. And I gave tips and they really thanked me. And they said, oh, it was really good. And then I became a parent. It was like, okay, but this is a, such a different place where you where you work from well work from i mean sometimes it's it's so easy to respond before thinking and if you're a professional you're always like okay i can do this i can do this i can do this so the whole toolbox of being a parent had to be filled again for me Hmm. and you can never luckily uh, do that without emotions with your own children but that was quite a journey yeah (laughs) For me, you're bringing the point across of, yeah, the parents and the teachers, they really, really need each other. We can really benefit from from each other's strengths. And uh, it starts with developing this trust between the parent and the teacher. Yes, and the trust is, is I think, the key word in it. Um, sometimes we tell parents, well, we notice this and this behavior. And sometimes you get the response of, like a defensive response and that's a pity because then they think we're in the attack phase or or uh, we're judging the child no we're not we're worrying about the child and what can we do or what does this child need yeah because if you trust the the teacher then even if it hurts you know if if the person is saying something that is triggering you you can fall back to no no this person has demonstrated to me that is on my side, that is having yeah. the same values, that cares about my child. 
but yeah, you cannot do that unless you have the trust. Yeah. yeah. And it goes two ways. I mean, you can also experience that as a parent if you have a talk with a, with a teacher or the guide. And um, we had some training about this, about listening to each other and working together and trust two years ago. And uh, she mentioned the tango. Did you ever heard of that? Dancing oh, no. the tango. <laughs> she said, if you're in a conversation with somebody, if we dance the tango, I can see what's behind you. And you can see what's behind me. Yeah. We can keep having a discussion like, okay, no, I can see uh, the houses and, uh, and, 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 and the flowers and, and you can see right. the wall or the tree or whatever. And with tango, you turn sometimes. So who is going to be the first one to step and dance open and look at the, 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 the view side. that the other side sees? And if you do that, that's much more inviting for the other one to turn with you to your side. Exactly. And I always love that. I even say it to the children, like we dance the tango. Because right. we have to look at, at each other's perspective too, because it's both true. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you are right there. It's like if if you as a teacher know this and you are the one that takes the first step to prove to the other mm. person that you can see the back, that builds trust. Yeah. And then the other person will also be more curious about what is in your back. Then. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah. So if I understood you correctly, your, your main role is being a guide in mm-hmm. upper elementary. Yes. But you are specialized in Kanjar training mm-hmm. and you also have had a lot of experience and training with uh, children that have uh, uh, problems and mm-hmm. also a bit with children that are gifted. So, yeah, basically you just support the team at the school with all these skills that you have. I'm trying, yeah. yeah and yeah. sometimes I'm coaching and sometimes during study days that started this year, like, can you give a workshop about feedback or something like that? I love doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love all the things that are um, about communication, about uh, relation, um, about getting, um, being effective in your communication, but also uh, connecting. And that brings me to another thing I wanted to ask you about your roles. Because you are one of the Vertrauens person at the school, which in English could be translated as confident person. I can imagine that in this role you can help your colleagues when they're having conflict among each other and when the parents are having conflict with the school. But do you also support children in this capacity? Sometimes I do. Sometimes okay. I do. Yeah. And then is children having problems with other children or with other teachers or with their parents? All of the above. All of them. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, and there are not a lot of children who are uh, doing that, but some children do. And um, usually I have permission or I always inform the, the parents and the guides because it's not helping if they just tell me and that's it. Because some children, and especially in the upper elementary, and I love that in the upper elementary, they are so far ahead with with thinking and and thinking about themselves, but also really vulnerable for, I wouldn't call it a depression because that's maybe too early, but the steps before to getting there, they're, I mean, they're smart, they're bright. They can think a lot about themselves and they can put up conclusions about themselves that are not helping. And um, if they're captured in that circle um, 
it's it's a problem. It's a problem for them. It's a problem for their environment and the children in the classroom. And sometimes I have lunch with a child and just talk, have a little talk about it. Wow. And I also see that if I had the talk and the day after or the week after you see each other in the hallway and it's like they just need this face and this glimpse and it's like, are yeah. you okay? Need a need a lunch again or are you fine? So um yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I also wanted to ask you about your Montessori training. You mentioned that you did this in, in Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. But did you do some kind of a special AMI training? Because I have heard that sometimes the teachers go to Italy to do mm. some kind of training there. <laughs> what, yes. what, what is that about? So I did uh, the Dutch uh, Montessori training. And we are lucky because uh, the people who did the AMI training love to give it away. So a couple of years ago, Bo did give some courses. It was like a little bit more than half a year, like every other week. And we got a lot of lessons uh, from her. So I followed that too. There is another thing I wanted to ask you from your bio. I'm going to read this. (laughs) Always looking for the most ideal education. I think I have found that at CASA. So what do you mean by ideal education? Yeah, that's a big word. And I think the ideal um, is, I mean, you're never there. <laughs> when I started working, I thought, oh, you get at a point that you know everything or you're the perfect teacher or you have the perfect school. We're, n- we're not. But that's the beauty of CASA because we're always really honest about this is not working, this is working. So we have to really keep the good stuff and find a solution for the things that don't work. We sometimes children says, what? My mom said we chose Casa because you have freedom. Yeah, but that comes with responsibility. And at Casa, um, you have the opportunity to get a lot of freedom because you can handle a lot of responsibility. But you also have uh, children who need some guidance because they cannot cope with all this responsibility. I think it's good that at a school a child gets what he or she needs and that's not the end because that's what he or she needs at this point in this situation but in another situation you can get more freedom because you can handle the responsibility or we're setting it as a goal and you can work on it you can develop and i think uh, the word development is the most important thing in what my ideal school is and casa is the uh, example for that there's always room for development and sometimes even colleagues but sometimes parents say well that's casa no it's not like casa is an institute or something casa is you and me and the the child and and the guide from from the other room and the guide from science center that's casa it's not the building it's not the material we are a community. We are. And communication and community is so overlapping and that's so important. And that's what I love about Casa. There's always room for communication to get a good community, to get the community that we like to uh, let our ch- children blossom in it. Yeah. And, and by, by the way, with good communication, we don't imply here that it's going to be easy communication. Oh, no. It's going to be a struggle yeah. because that's where the good stuff comes from. Yeah. There has to be challenging communication, 
but it has to be respectful. Yeah. So I think when, when you're saying, indeed, we are uh, open, that's what you mean. Yes. It can be hard. People can get hurt. People can get angry. Mm -hmm. But as long as you are respectful about it, yeah. then we can grow together. Yeah. And you can have a different of opinions. But I think the main thing is that, that we have to trust each other that we want the best exactly the best for the community agreed and yeah. not the best for the individual which is me or you or or whoever indeed well i think it's a perfect moment to stop <laughs> it's been um, amazing so thank you very much for sharing all these things because it paints this picture about what is that you guys are doing and what are the things you are thinking about and the uh, perspectives for the parents to appreciate more uh, our community and also how they can contribute. That's what, what is my hope, that with all this information, they will be able to connect better with, uh, with you guys and then make it easier to create this coherent Montessori environment, right? To make it coherent in, yes. in the classroom and in the home so the child can really develop and, and reach his own potential. Yeah, because yeah. we need each other. Yeah. So looking forward to the next one in which we're going to discuss Kanjer in detail. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, if you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for the next one in which Janet will tell us all about what is Kanjer training and how she is implementing this in lower and upper elementary. And of course, feel free to drop me an email to casastories at casaschool.nl If you have any comments, questions or suggestions for improvement, hasta pronto! Yeah,